0: I really like this piece, let's see, I'm going to try and share that. Do you see this, um, let me know when you see the Google document.
1: Yeah, we do, yeah. we do, yeah, thanks.
2: So this is a piece, this is from a blog, um, and I think that it probably has to do with content that you are all much more familiar with than I am. Um, The, let's see, what, we have a child, I want to see the curfew I announced and looked at my
0: Nanaji, who had just finished his. Sanyaha Fuja. You can laugh at me as much as you like in terms of my pronunciation, I think.
2: Um, uh, he has uh he
0: has beads in his hand and some other things. So one of my first comments um, about this piece, because there's words in here that I don't understand, right? Which is because I'm American
2: and I'm not familiar with these words. We do want to think about uh
0: who the audience is that we want to try and connect with. So if you have an audience, so in this case, I mean, language, right? Language is, in a lot of ways, the determiner of the audience, and we want to think about it in that way.
2: So if we have even, it's not, it's not just, are these, these are uh, Hindi words? Am I saying that even correctly? You can nod if I'm right about anything. You can make yep. me feel yep. more comfortable yep. if you want. Yep. Okay,
1: thank you. No, you're oh. doing good. Thank you. Yes.
0: Oh, okay, thanks. Um, so, but, but it's not, it's not just having foreign language words, right? I, 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 want us to understand that. It's all of our language. All of our language creates our
2: audience. Not only does our language create our audience, but also our point of view. Um,
0: and to some, depending, this is, this is the most tricky area. Our bias can create our audience too. Sometimes we write with a strong bias that really only welcomes other people in who share our bias. Does that make sense? This is nonfiction by the way. So, um, but but for me in writing, it doesn't matter whether, whether we're doing poems, it doesn't matter whether we're doing nonfiction, essay, fiction, uh, plays, all of everything. I'm always talking about things that are pretty universal, which are audience, point of view, and the big thing is story creating something that's like a story. A story is is an emotional journey, essentially, and people want to read stories because they feel like they will benefit from reading stories. So that makes it a, a, a very different thing than things that we might read in order to have professional advancement, in order to learn how to work our computer, in order to learn how to fix our vacuum cleaner, Those are things that we read because we have a motivation coming in. A story is something that basically offers something of value to the reader, this emotional journey from which they will learn and they come to us to read it. And I think that that is having a story in our work is the most fundamentally important thing that we want to do in our work in order to gather readers, which is, I think, what we want to do because we want to communicate with somebody. Okay, so... Um, I just want to really underscore the point that, that we create our audience with what we write. Um, so this work would, would probably exclude me since there are times when I'm reading and I don't know what the words mean. It could also be that if I had a very uh, rudimentary vocabulary, which in a way I do, of course. I don't know all languages, right? But if I have a very rudimentary vocabulary and you use really big words, then you're also going to be excluding an audience. So we're always conceiving, in a sense, our audience with the way we write. Um, I, think that, I think that this is a great piece. So, like, when I write, I definitely uh, – I'll say I don't want to restrict my audience at all. So if anyone, if anyone picks up my work, I want them to read it. I mean, that's my rule. I, I want you know if they if they open up the cover and they read that first sentence, I want to do that thing that that I'm talking about, which is grab the reader by the throat and you do not let go of them. I want as big an audience as possible because I can't control whether they're going to come over and open up the book, but I can control it once they do. Does that does that make sense? Um, so so in this piece, I would already suggest it's very easy to go ahead and do little things. Um, which are defined, really defined terms. If you were using medical language, you could do the same thing. Um, I picked up the stethoscope, which was a tool for listening to the heart with a flat, you know, you just, you describe the thing that you're talking about in order to allow people into the work. Um, So that was, that was one thing that I noticed uh, here. And, but, it's not by the the biggest thing that I noticed, which was a a technique that I thought was really great in this piece was this piece uses a child um, and a child's point of view. So I like to, I I really want to put that forward to everyone. Point of view. I just, I will write it POV. Point of view is exceptionally important in our work. Who is Essentially, who is seeing slash telling the story? who is the narrator but I, I, I I'm a little bit careful about that word narrator so we have this child who's in a story who's doing something and talking to the grandparent. The way I think of that character is is as a character, so that's a character point of view it is i want I want us to embed that in our minds so you can if it if it's helpful, write it down someplace. It's a character point of view. This piece is gonna be interesting because it's also gonna have a narrator's point of view. And in fact, in all of our work, we're gonna have both of these. And one of the things that I'd like to say, and I think that this piece does it quite well, is that distinguishing between those two voices is a very important because we show a contrast. We show this, the character's point of view, and then in this piece, we'll see that we shift to a narrator's point of view in a different paragraph. And that is exactly how I would suggest that you do that if you're working with this kind of pattern. Um, so we have this child who says, uh, I want to see the curfew I announced and looked at my Nanji who had just finished, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. Did you hear me? I would like to see the curfew now, I repeated So this is sometime back in the 1970s when there's some student uprising is what what I gathered from reading this. Um, And this is a character who's experiencing and saying things in that time. So we can just go ahead and make a little cut for ourselves. That's like 19, I'm gonna make it 1976. Um, Can everyone see this work here? So it goes, Namaji quietly put his puja, etc., on, on the side of the corner, got out of the puja attire, changed into his lungi and uh, banyan, picked me up and put me on his shoulders. My daughters are right now taking both Spanish and Chinese, so I am way mixed up. So please forgive me about my pronunciation. <laughs> if I seem, he's like, is he pronouncing that like Spanish? I probably am. Um, uh, picked me up and put me on his shoulders, and we set out to see the curfew. Okay, so we set out to see the curfew That's that character in 1976. Look at this next paragraph Those were the turbulent days of no- Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just said 76 and here we go 74 Okay, those were the turbulent days of 1974 and growing up in Patna uh, Okay, so when we have that sentence we've just transitioned to the narrator. Is everyone, is everyone with me? That is good. I definitely feel that I've transitioned from the character who's saying, take me to the curfew, to that was 1974. So creating having one paragraph that's in the character point of view, and then another paragraph that's in the narrator's point of view, is an excellent device for us to use in nonfiction. This is a device that I have used. It's basically alternating. And alternating is pretty much our pattern. We're always gonna be alternating something in our work. And this is an example of it. So I want to, um, um,
2: where, what happened to my thing?
1: I'm going to.
0: Sorry, I'm going to. I'm going to try and share something else with you. I'm going to share my iPad with you for a moment. Um, let's see if I can do that.
2: Share screen.
0: Okay. Do you see you see my iPad blank a blank page? Yep. Okay. Thank you. So so um. Oh, did something kick out? Did it kick out?
3: No, it's still showing up.
0: Uh, I lost it. Oh, this is making me frustrated you still see it so do you see if I go like this if I write this square
3: uh, I don't see a square I just see the blank iPad page hmm. I'm sorry, sorry I,
2: I just cut the share for a second I'm gonna try and share it again oh I'll I'll let you know that uh, share uh, If you if you chat if you if you chat with me, I'm never going to see it. I'm I'm a I'm this kind of focused person that can really only do one thing at once. It really frustrates my partner. Anyway, when I do stuff around the house, um, hmm. I'm not seeing my pad come up. Okay. I'm going to give up on that for now. I'll, I'll try and work on that technology for next time, although it's unfortunate. I really want to do that today. Um, let me go back to Google Docs. You have the Google Docs again?
1: Yes. I can yes. see the Google Docs. Okay.
0: Uh, sorry about that, but um,
2: one... Uh, Let's see. I was gonna say, oh, for everyone who's sending in stuff, if you send it on a Word document or or a PDF, then I put it into a different program that I can use a little bit more easily than Google Docs. So, but yes, my anyway,
1: apologies about that. I didn't know. So, sorry oh, yeah. about
2: that. No worries. I mean, <laughs> I use Google. I just it means I have to sit at my desk, which I which I sit at my desk a lot.
0: Okay, so um, so I'm basically suggesting that. That in all of our writing, we're basically using patterns. Um, we have—I'm I'm happy to see—we have a playwright, and I'm
2: sorry I've forgotten your name, um, but she'll know she'll know this very well. So, in in story writing, we often talk about the A story and the B story. The A story and the B story often the A story is the motivated story that the character has, what they want to get that's tangible, that's usually puts projects them out into the future and the B story is the emotional story. So for example, if you had a story about a doctor, you would probably have a story about them pursuing their medical career and then the B story would be let's say their home and family life. And usually what happens in the story is that these two stories alternate throughout the entire work and then they and then they kind of join and merge into a feeling of reconciliation, whatever wholeness that occurs at the end. Stories often work this way. They work, they begin with division between two things, and they end in merger of those two things. Um, the same is true, I often talk about protagonistic and antagonistic forces. So, the protagonist and antagonist, the
0: problem of the story that's first introduced is that these forces are split. And then we see, we go back and forth between protagonism, antagonism, protagonism, antagonism, protagonism, antagonism. That drives the story until we arrive at a merger of
2: those two forces. Okay. So if you follow that, you're going to, you're, we're going to blow your mind at this point. That's also what's happening in this post. We
0: have the point of view character is one of the forces and the author who's coming in as a narrative voice is the other force. And if we can get these two to work alternately and finally have something to do with each other so that they merge into a reconciliation, and this is very common in an essay, to have uh, an author in the present, let's say me, trying basically my motive is to reconcile with my past, to find some greater understanding in the present by reviewing what has happened. That becomes the point of the work. So in this story, in this essay story, right, according to me, we have these two forces established. The character point of view is one of them, and the narrator is the other. And now alternating those two back and forth is a very strong, Is probably, it is our pattern, basically, Alternating and forming contrast between things is what we do to show movement through the story and is a very effective tool for us. <clears throat> so, um, avatars, um, you, you probably realize a little bit that you don't do this consistently through the entire work, but I'm saying, but I am saying that you have the rudiments right now to pursue this work so that it starts developing this contrast, this alternating pattern, which then creates basically the dynamic energy of the piece that leads somewhere. Avatams, yep. does that make yes. a little sense? So, yes, so like, absolutely. Now, so like I'm talking, you have to forgive me, like if you don't follow everything that I'm saying, that's okay, because I, I will say I only have about three things to say, so I will say them repeatedly. Just keep trying to take them in, you know, as time is going on, try to understand them. But basically I'm suggesting that it's this dynamic energy between the two forces as we see played out over and over again through the course of the story that creates the, the energy that the reader then experiences. So now they're having an experience, an emotional experience in which and I mean, they're affected in the body. They have, they feel tense. They feel relaxed. I mean, basically we deal with tension and, and relaxing the reader throughout the entire thing. And then at the end, we, um, we, we, we join the forces for a moment of resolution that then feels like catharsis. That is the movement of story. And all of us, okay, you're not in competition with each other. You're in competition with everyone else in the world. You want to, you basically want to do this thing as well as you can in order to get that, get and keep that readership and have the readership feel like they got something from reading your work at the end of it. Because if they don't feel like they got something at the end, then they never come back to your work. So you got them once, but you don't get them again. We always want return customers as writers. Um, forgive me one second. so um, so'll I'll, that's those are the large points that I want to make here and I and I also want to underscore that um, it's it's great it is great to write the piece that allows us to get to this level because now I mean we are i don't I don't want to overstate it, but I don't think it can be overstated that the level of writing something from A to B is much different than the level we get to when we write a story. So when we write a story and we're used, the thing is with us, unfortunately is as, as readers is that we read stories that are effective and that move us, but we're not, as I don't know what it is about human beings. We're not very in tune with the fact that we are moved or that we have emotional experiences. We kind of, ignore that but stories that are effective move you and what we want to do as writers is we want to get to the point where we're moving the the reader through an emotional experience and when we do that then they have this sort of non-verbalized payoff from our work and and they like it they don't know what it is but they like it um in in this work that, that, that alternating pattern breaks down. And then there's another slightly important thing in this style of work. This is an essay. Remember you have the point of view character and you have the narrator. And if you work in nonfiction like this, this is an, inc- I think a really, really important concept to understand. And it's important for all of us in our storytelling. Who is the protagonist, right? I'm saying we have the two forces on the page. We have the character point of view and we have the narrator point of view, but which of those two is the protagonist? Whose story does the reader fundamentally care about? Who is going to be changed by this experience and through whom am I going to experience that change also? Basically, who is the person I'm rooting for and um, who is gonna be the vehicle for my reader experience? This is very important. Uh, other times it's, you know, this piece has not decided that yet, but it will need to. It will need to decide who's who is the protagonist. And the way I decide who is the protagonist is I say, who is changed by the experience? Does that, make, does that make a little sense? Because we're going to actually do this because this is going to be our theme of the day. Change of character is going to be the theme of the day, but like, yeah. So deciding who is the central character that the reader is going to um, basically have a sympathetic resonance with and is changed at the end of the experience, that means that I get to have an experience in which I'm changed Um It's not in verisimilitude, but like it isn't it's me being able to experience difficulty, but in safety, peril and safety. I get to experience that change, that evolution, that move towards enlightenment, whatever it is. So um, that that will also need to take place. But that's what we're doing when we create a story back to the A story and the B story, protagonist and antagonist. So what we're basically doing is we're creating this conflict that leads to a catalyst, right? Uh, A moment, a climactic moment in the story. We can think of it as being climactic up here, but it's often illustrated as being down here, as in a dark night of the soul, um, as in um, moving into the valley of death, whatever it might be. But basically around here, we have a climactic moment in which... The way I look at it, the protagonist has a choice. They have a choice basically either to merge with the antagonistic force, which is a kind of death of the ego, or they have an opportunity to refuse the merger, which is also kind of a death. (laughs) Usually it's a death of possibility and change, right? So, um, But the point I want to make is we use these two forces. Figuring out what they are is our, is our first priority in every story. Figuring out the ending is not our priority. In fact, I, I would, I would try and encourage you not to figure out the ending. This is how we use writing ourselves to get to new ground. We want to, as writers, we want to get to new ground. We construct the story mechanism to move us along and escalate to a point of climax and uh, to create this catalyst. And what happens after that, ideally, we don't already know. If we already know what's happening after that that, that catalyst, then we're actually not challenging ourselves. And I don't believe that writers want to get involved in writing not to challenge themselves. They're actually just repeating what they already know. And if they already know it, I hate to break it to us all, probably a lot of people already know it. We're doing something else. We're we're actually creating, we're using this mechanism to create discovery. That's a big speech. Forgive me. <laughs> it won't be the last time you hear me make it. Um, but in this piece, we're getting there. So we have these isolated forces, and now we want to see them work together to get to a catalyst that's going to lead to some kind of change, basically, some kind of sense of enlightenment, some kind of something. And that's the thing of value to the reader. And if we get to that point, then the reader feels fulfilled also. And, well, they feel fulfilled. And that's what we want. We want our reader to feel fulfilled. Then they close our book and they say, what else have they written? Um, Avatans, do you have any questions? No, no, <laughs> thank like, you. Yeah. No, no, thank I, you, I, thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank your question is like, why did, I, why did I have to endure all that?
4: <laughs> that's part of learning, that's why we are here.
0: Yeah, and keep in mind, everyone, you know, we, this is, so the way I look at this is, this is a workshop. We, we are all writers, we're involved in the same struggle, I'm involved in the same struggle that you are. If it were easy for me, I would not be doing my job. It's not going to be easy for any of you. We're not if it's not hard, we're not we're not doing it. We're not really creating the device that leads to that next place. So, um, and my daughters are always like, I try something out on them like a joke usually, and they're like, "Dad, keep it in the workshop." <laughs> uh Ashwani? Yeah.
4: Can I ask a quick one? It appears to me that the All the paragraphs in the write-up that we have in front of us uh, are from the same point of view, the first person point of view by the person who is writing the story. Those were the turbulent days of 74 and I grew up in Patna. I had the front row view of, so he just continues, it's not the narrator is not in the picture at all, it's just the first person point of view, isn't it? Uh
0: No, so... So I, I look at things a little bit differently than – so I, a lot of people will talk about you have a first-person point of view, a third-person point of view, a uh, second-person point of view, if it's in you or something like that. And I, I'm i – no, actually, well, what they usually say is that you have a first-person narrator, uh, third-person narrator, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I want to put away this idea of narrator. The narrator, as I say – The narrator is always going to be involved and there's and then ideally you're also going to have characters too. I'm trying to make a distinction between what's going to be from the narrator's point of view and what's going to be from the character's point of view. So that means the experience of the world as seen through the character. I so like I could write in past tense or present tense but I could say I walked into the store I saw the milk at the back in the count you know in the counter I walked back there. I looked at the cans on this side. So I'm basically seeing the world through the character who's walking through the store. I, as a writer, am not walking through a store, right? I'm, at, I'm in a, at a desk typing things. So I want to make a distinction between a character and, a, and kind of the narrator who is somewhere else outside of the story. There's someone who's in the story who's a character they are physical, they have flesh and blood, kind of, right, as represented by words, and then there's someone who's typing and writing the things. And so here we have a boy in 1974, right, who's saying, I want to see the curfew. That's a character in the story. And we have a writer who says, those were the turbulent days. That kid is not saying, those were the turbulent days yeah so Got this it. distinction yeah so Got it. thanks Got it. Uh, yeah so that distinction is really important and it's 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 definitely muddy you know because there's going to be a lot of things that the if i say if i write i walked into the store well that's not really me having the experience because that's someone writing about me having the experience so there is a narrator that's doing it but the point of view is going through my eyes my ears you know my phys- this physical character w- one way to think of it is it's it's not it's also um, kind of the majority feeling right it's not every word it's the feeling of it and and one way i think of it is that the character is physical and the narrator is essentially metaphysical right they're not a physical presence in the story. In 1974, this writer does not exist. Um, we could spend a little more time with this piece, but another way to really uh, ratchet this piece down for me would be to make sure that each paragraph really was from the point of view of either the child or from the point of view of the narrator. Right now, there is at least one, one paragraph where it's kind of mixed. And I would not do that because I want the reader to have the experience of going like this. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I do not want an ambiguous experience. I want them to experience contrast because that's how I make them feel something. Um, but yeah, thank you for the question. It's, it's great to make me clarify some of those points because I don't, um, I don't think about writing in the way that it's often classically taught and it's also usually classically taught by people who do not write, I I will just say. What what informs me is the way my imagination has to work in the story. Um, Okay, I'm going to stop this share. Uh, yeah, Ram. Yeah, I have
4: a question. Uh, so yeah. can, can the protagonist be a concept or an ideology instead of being a physical person?
1: Um, so <laughs> um,
0: so <clears throat> I think that we are I think that we do best. Okay, so we're we're getting into, this is going to be kind of a metaphysical conversation. So forgive me. Those are, So most writers who are dealing in fiction and, and things like that are playwright. You know, we're dealing with physical people. And one of the differences between, you know, fiction and those kinds of stories where we think about dealing with people and writing nonfiction often, you know, let's say a thesis driven work, is that we think about this being about ideas. So I... I will say something about the protagonist, which is the, the the thing that's principally important about the, sorry, strike. The protagonist, the thing that is principally important about the protagonist is that the reader has a sympathetic resonance to the protagonistic force. Right. Okay. So I'm not saying whether that force has to be absolutely physical or not. Okay. I am saying that the baseline is that if I am not basically somehow attached sympathetically, it doesn't mean that I think that it's a good idea or a bad idea, but mm-hmm. I somehow have a sense of personal attachment to it, it doesn't matter what ends up being said. If I don't have okay. that, then you just have a polemic, but okay. you have a polemic that's just, you know, so, so I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you how I think about it. So if we, if we have a thesis-driven argument, Right. The, the thing that a human being attaches to most mm-hmm. is is honestly another human being. This is the way we right. are. Yeah. Okay? So so the more I can feel that there's a human being on the other side of the protagonistic force, the more likely I am to attach to it. If it is a if it if it's a cerebral argument, you know, up mm-hmm. here, why why do I care? So okay. this is this is one of the ways we use, I think, a thesis statement, and I said this last week a little bit, but it's worth, I, I think it's worth really trying to get into our head. It's not about the value of our ideas. It's the, it's the stake. It's the personal stake. And so when we have a writer, so this is the way I think about it in terms of a nonfiction work or a thesis-driven work, is that basically the writer is the protagonistic force. They're coming out and they're saying, I'm motivated to do something. And I'm, right. putting, my, I'm putting my career on the mm-hmm. line in order to do it. Okay. Right? And, right. and I might not agree with them. Mm-hmm. In fact, I should not agree with them. I should, if I agree with them, there's no point. Then we're just dealing in propaganda. So, right. you know, the, in the U.S. we say preaching to the choir. You probably have a similar you know, uh, a thematic expression for that, but there's mm-hmm. no I, I, don't, I don't do anything with preaching to the choir mm-hmm. I'm trying to get readers who don't think what I think so <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that you know, when we have that, when we have that author mm-hmm. make a stakes. So they throw down the gauntlet with their thesis statement and they say they say, you think this you're wrong, it's this Right. That's a little bit more complicated than it seems at the moment, because if the mm-hmm. author is not really taking a risk, mm-hmm. then there also isn't any attachment. I want to read about someone in peril, in safety, right? So they have to actually take a risk. Right. If they're telling me, uh, if they're saying, you know, uh, I'm making an argument, you think the sun doesn't shine during the day, and I think it does, that's, there's no risk. So we have to do two things. I have to be able to attach to somewhere a feeling of another human being really having a stake because that's necessary for them to actually be in peril. If they're not in peril, I have no interest because what am I learning? Right? I mean, so like in this way, it's kind of cool when you think about all stories, all stories are about characters or protagonistic forces in peril. If they're not actually in peril, then why do I read? Because I'm trying to read in order to um, advance my own life, basically, to mm-hmm. experience peril and take something away from it for my own survival. Right. This, we're, the, we're this human animal. We're a human right. animal, and we use stories to do this very thing. Right. So, um, so
4: essentially what you're saying is that, uh, uh, rather, if I'm a car salesman as an author, uh, I, I should rather put the buyer in the driving seat of the car, take him for a test drive rather than hand him a brochure of the car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or tell him, tell him why the car is so great. and going to change yeah. the life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What you want to do is you want to be like, you know, Hey, you know, you look, you look really good in this car. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. But, but, but we also, we want, you know, we do want, we want the reader again to, yes, we Mm -hmm. want them to basically get, I do think of the protagonistic force as a vehicle Mm -hmm. for an experience Mm -hmm. that the reader then gets to have. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's a physical character doing stuff or the protagonist as a, you know, writing, um, you know, making an argument of some kind, I want the reader to feel like I'm, making the argument and even if I you know like and you wanted so I actually hold the other side I held the antagonistic view
1: hmm.
0: Then I want to. then I want to be with them like well will they succeed in changing my mind will they succeed right and and you know by God I don't think they are because I think I'm a lot smarter than this author so hmm. they better do a really good job yeah, okay but this, is now, this is now really really important uh-huh. that and that antagonistic point of view uh-huh. Has to be. That is the hardest one to do. Mm. Understanding our antagonists as writers, we usually we usually pick a protagonist who we already feel a bias towards. Mm. Our real struggle is to really understand the antagonist's point of view because our antagonist's point of view is the reader's point of view. And I didn't moment, understand
1: that.
0: Uh, so, if the thesis statement is. So I need to feel like there's some there's some value to reading let's say this argument this thesis statement. So as I say it's like you think this. Okay. this that you that you is the, me. Mm. I think this. I think this. I don't think okay. what you think. Right? Okay. Right. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so okay. now so, so now the moment the moment you write me as a straw man right you mm-hmm. know the straw man argument yeah. The, st- the straw man argument is the argument for everyone. The straw man argument is the argument you simply construct in order to knock down. Right. So Absolutely. the moment, the moment um. you make me right, I have that argument, and the moment you basically write me as being a stupid lummox, right? right yeah. That, okay. That, that doesn't make any sense and is basically just crazy. Right. Then that's the same moment I'm not reading your work anymore.
4: Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Never thought about it that
0: way. Yeah. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. But, for that. but it's also, but you could probably also tell that now that we bring it up to this stake, well, uh-huh. it's a lot more exciting. It's a lot more exciting for everybody than just uh-huh. writing what you think.
4: So, 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 which means that if the reader is have holding the antagonist point, then that increases the drama because if the reader is already on my side, there is no drama,
0: right? I mean, okay. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We. It, you're not, mm. you're, and you're not doing anything. That means you're going to go from here. I think this, and mm. you do too, and then we're going to read this piece, and at the end, we're going to be like, and I think this, and you do too. Right. Like that, that,
1: okay.
4: yeah, that increases the contrast. Okay, so in a picture, you need to have contrast, right? Unless you have good contrast, and you don't see the picture. It's
0: just black, all, white or yes. all black. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. yes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. There's nothing's happening. We're looking at a white Mm. screen or we're looking at black screen. We don't want that. We want to take that reader to, ah, this is what I think Mm. because the reader, this is the thing. We, we write, we write, if we're writing fiction, for example, or, you know, nonfiction story, we're writing about an experience, but we're also creating a reading experience. Mm. Yeah. Right? Um, Our playwright is such a good example she's she's creating these different characters this character says something yeah. okay that is right. their point of view right. the other character says something right that's their point of view
4: no, but and that's it, what is challenging right uh, see like as a playwright I can I can visualize the dialogues and the scene playing out on this page I can visualize that but how do I visualize how the audience is responding to it because unless I can get get my finger on how the audience will respond to it, my writing cannot be sharper well, otherwise I'm just
0: being yeah. self-indulgent. The main thing we want the reader to experience is we want to experience that that, um, that variance, I've heard it called, right? We want mm-hmm. them to experience, okay, this character comes in and says, you have to clean up the dishes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I want to go to a party, right? Like in the moment that this character says their thing, we understand mm-hmm. their point of view. I'm mm-hmm. in their point of view. I'm attached mm-hmm. to their point of view. When this character says what she wants to say, I'm in her point of view. It's the same thing in our okay. argument. When we write the protagonist, um, you think this, you think that the world is flat. You're yeah. wrong. It's round. And I was like, OK, you think the world is flat. That's my point of view. Your point of view is it's round. Now we're going to go ahead. You okay. develop your feelings based on this. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. OK, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's like, right. what, you have neg- what you've neglected to look at is da-da-da-da-da, is this. Mm. Now I have your point of view, and now mm. we keep going, and we keep building the argument. And Which means, you take, sorry, the, you, take the, go ahead. you take the reader through an experience like this, they're in one point of view, they're in the mm-hmm. other point of view, they're mm. in one, they're in the other, and the whole time it's going like this, right? Mm. And it's getting closer and closer, um, right. as, as the struggle becomes more pitched.
4: right. Which means that the writing has to be such that I am controlling the response and reaction of the reader, not leaving him to his own devices.
0: Yeah, but you have to remember that they do have their own devices, so you better know your reader pretty well.
4: <laughs> Fair point. <Yeah. laughs> okay, they're not dumb, yeah, they're smart. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you're right. So, that's, this is our work. Okay, right. you know, we, we think that our work is to convey our point of view, that is not the work of a writer. The work yeah. of the writer is to know the human being. That's yes. the work of the writer. Right. And not just, not just us as a human being, to know every human being, and then right. create something, as you said, there, right? If there's no contrast, there's no dynamics. There's right. no drama. There's nothing, nothing is happening. It's like mm. and this is the thing that we don't know. That, so when we start writing, we write like we think that writing is typing.
1: Much, yeah. We think
0: that if we we think we you know, our, our teacher tells us to write a five page essay and we think if we start with uh, one day and we end with the end that we've written something. Right. We haven't. We have not. It's <laughs> right. written like in the in the doctors that flat line. Mm. And it's like and nobody wants to read that because because this is something we let's know human beings again. Time is what we have. It's absolutely precious. I get to see the grass, I get to touch the trees, I get Mm. to smell the flowers, I get to step in dog shit.
1: Mm. I
0: get to do all those things are so much better than this. Right. So But now the next, the next trouble for us as writers is that given the fact that experience is the most important thing, how do we create an experience on the page Mm. that is so dynamic that a reader foregoes their life, right? I don't go out and smell the cheese, the, the, the the cheese. I don't smell the cheese and step in dog shit. I instead read your work. Right. So now we see what the, what the stakes are. We have to do something that's filled filled with contrast. Um, Sorry to to go to the playwright again, but I often think about this in our writing. So we have a reader and there's a distance to our audience. This is the case on the stage. Mm -hmm. And if you see someone, if you were sitting in the audience, right, Mm -hmm. and after the show, you walked off onto the stage, you would see that people had this makeup on, right? That that would make them look grotesque, close up.
1: Why
0: why do they have that makeup on? They have that Mm. makeup on because they're being seen from a distance. Mm. This is the same in our writing. This is the same in our writing. So we are going to write things that are highly contrast. This is going back to um, Mm. the last piece we looked. You know, when I said I don't make it ambiguous about whose point of view I'm in. I right. don't make it ambiguous about yes. whether I'm the protagonist point of view or the antagonist's mm-hmm. point of view. No ambiguity. Because I have to make it grotesque, grotesquely right. uh, visible, right. and grotesquely felt by right. the audience. Right. That's, why, that's why, unfortunately, what we, te- what we tend to have, and this is people who do, are not, we're running mm-hmm. a very of life. But this is why a lot of stories turn into, you know, absolutely, you know, people think of it, they reduce it to this. They think it's absolutely good characters versus mm. absolutely evil characters. Mm. But but the problem with that is no one looks at that and thinks that that's life. Right. In fact, that distances them from the work. Mm. Because, you know, what, what, I, what I noticed most of my life is I thought I was a good person and I thought other people were evil people. But then after a while, I was sort of like, they seem to think that they're good people too. How Rich. do I how do I ah it's driving me crazy? I Rich. I definitely knew that I was good. I saw it in a dichotomy in which mm. I'm good and they're bad. But now Rich. I'm like but but from their point of view, they think they're good and they Rich. think I'm bad. This is mm. Now I have to realize that we all think this way. So mm. and I <clears throat> I bring it up because when we have representations like, let's say your thesis statement, you think this idiotic, stupid thing, Right. you're wrong because you're an idiot, and this is what you should be thinking, right? So mm. you're, you're an evil idiot, and, right. I'm a, and I'm a good, noble person who's going to illumine you. Okay, when we mm. write that, it does not correspond to the way we understand life. Right. So now, so, now, so let's go back to the idea that I can live life here, right? Mm. But I choose to read your work. Mm. I don't want to leave mm. my life here and read a flat line, but nor do I want to leave my life here and read something that doesn't seem like life at all. Mm. Right? Because that's also like a flat line. Though, right. it be, though it might be chaotically good and evil, good and evil, wow, it still mm. doesn't have any relevance to actually my physical living. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I think
4: it's amazing. Which is why I would like to hear about somebody else's story and not my own. <laughs> yeah, well, because... As in not my life story, right? I mean, I would be
0: bored by my autobiography. I know it. There is nothing different. Well, I, I don't agree with that. Uh-huh. I, I, think that there's, I think there's a really important conversation towards us. Actually, I think through writing and even mm-hmm. through memoir we, and or in fiction or however we develop our craft, we mm-hmm. actually do have an engagement with ourselves in our own life we we can only know we can only know the other person by also knowing us right i mean how how do i know you i i can't know you as a human being without knowing me as a human being now we start to get somewhere and so okay. have, you know you, you have had a life struggle you know that is your life struggle
1: mm-hmm. this is
0: and this is this is the baseline for all of our connection we, right. in, in writing, we say, you know, we write struggle. Well, mm-hmm. I identify, remember that thesis, that guy who wrote the thesis? Mm-hmm. He throws yeah. down the gauntlet. He's like, he's going to be drummed out of the university. He's going to be, you know, tarred and feathered and, you know, told to squawk. You know, he's really taking a risk.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I identify with that author's struggle. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm identifying with. And I right. see my struggle in life, or right. well, I get to experience the emotion of my struggle, which we're generally told not to experience, right? Oh, shut mm. up and take it, right? right? But I get to experience my struggle of life through this character, right? And and so that is the baseline, and we all have the struggle. We have we have many universal struggles, and it's not just to find love. It is it is to find connection, yes, mm. but it's also the struggle of having an interior world and an exterior world. Mm-hmm. There's the struggle of Trying to be something so that you can be seen as something, but that's also right. a lie. Mm-hmm. There's, we basically have human struggles that are based in it, not only just survival, trying to find food, but based in our consci- our sense of consciousness, and right? right. our struggle, our struggle with the knowledge of death and and having a life of purpose. All these things. Fascinating. Uh, I, I think so too, and I think stories are the way that we unlock all of this. True. Very true. Yeah. Okay. We better move on, though. Yes. Thank you. Here. Thanks a lot. Okay. Um, uh, do I? Let's see. Uh, I'm not. Am I sharing right now? Okay. No. So let's read. Let's read, uh Abhinav. Uh, yeah. We can see that. Someone, you can see you can see this work? Yeah. Is uh, I'm not sure that I see everyone here um, is the is the author of the chase here? Um, if the author of the chase is not here then maybe we will not look at this work. Um, let's uh, Okay, let's look at uh, Anvita. Anvita, do you want to read this work? I saw you a second ago. Anvita, you're here. You're here. Amita, do you want to read we can also just talk about it if you want hello 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 maybe she's maybe she's left well we can uh oh well Ron, let's look at your piece since you're you're on uh, you're here and we know you're sure did you get this did you get this change okay
3: Hello. Yeah. Hey, uh, people here. Otis, I had yeah. terrible network issues for the last five or 10 minutes, I, I think. Uh, so apologies about that.
0: Okay, no worries. Um, Ram, would you like to, uh, why don't you read this one?
3: Sure.
4: Uh, this is called tincture of iodine. Five-year-old papu bit his lip. The boys crowded around him in the playground, and for a moment, he was the center of all attention. They will certainly put tincture on the wound. Viju declared with authority, shaking his head with sympathy. Viju was three years older and already in the fourth standard, so he had to be right. Papu's heart skipped a beat. He had never had tincture of iodine applied on a wound before, but had heard from the other boys how much it stung. The tears almost came to his eyes, but he blinked them away. He did not want to cry. He was a big boy now, already in the first standard. Why? He had even started eating Idlis without sugar and as far as he was concerned, that itself qualified him to be a big boy. He hadn't cried when he had fallen on the ground playing chore police. Only LKG and UKG boys cried and girls. So he had bravely swallowed the tears, but tincture? That was a completely different matter altogether. Two boys from the 2nd standard marched him to the caretaker's office. The caretaker was essentially the school Aya, janitor, peon and emergency medical assistant all rolled into one. Who is there I say? Rang out the gruff voice of Bayama, the caretaker. The moment they heard her, the two older boys ran away, leaving Papu alone. Papu was now more scared than ever. Bayama was known to spank, trouble making pranksters, kids that even the mathematics miss couldn't handle. Would she spank him for scraping his knee? Will the class teacher put a remark in the daily diary? What if dad found out? For a moment, he forgot all about the tincture. He tried to peek around the half-closed door. If Bayama hadn't seen him, he could run away. But what would the boys say? Darpok, darpok, they would tease him. Then the image of the purple tincture bottle came up before his eyes. They would sting for sure. Even if he wiped his tears away, the boys would find out. That would be worse. Girl, girl, they would tease him. Bayama, dark with her grey hair tightly tied behind her head, appeared at the door. Her hand smeared with remnants of the sambar rice she was, she was eating. She didn't like being interrupted at lunch. She cast one look at his scraped knee and told him to go wash it with water. Popo was relieved as he turned around to go. Then it occurred to him that without the purple stain of the tincture, the boys would assume he had run, run away from fear. Should he ask Bayama to apply tincture? What if you
0: shouted at him? And then being five years old was indeed complicated. Being a 5 old was okay. indeed complicated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I find this piece very charming. Ram, let me, why don't I put it back to you? Given our, given our conversation, you know, today, mm-hmm. what do you think?
4: Uh, so I think this is, I would think that this is probably
0: mildly amusing. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree. And I, I love the language in it. I love the tincture of, the, of iodine. Um, what? Let me, okay. Let me. Let me
4: try so, so so the thing is, the contrast is not that stark here. Uh, the contrast that we spoke about, that is not that stark right what is the antagonistic force so here the uh, 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 when i wrote this the thought i had in my mind is that the protagonist is a five-year-old so the protagonist point of view is how a five-year-old thinks and yep. the antagonist Got
0: Got yeah yeah definitely and i think you have that so i but i'm asking what is the antagonistic force
4: so the antagonistic point of view it's not really antagonistic it is just that uh, the antagonist point of view would be that, okay, you don't know how fire
0: will things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I think, so So this is how I, you know, so I'm really, I really, I love the writing here. I think it's great. You know, I really do. But this is really going to, um, I think it's great to look at it from this point, this point, you know, like I, I have this, let, let's face it. I mean, I, I find myself kind of a pain. You know, you know, I don't, I don't like it either. I don't like the stuff I say. It makes my life hard. Mm -hmm. But I would say, where is the antagonistic force? Mm -hmm. There isn't a strong force Right. Mm -hmm. If we're suggesting that the dynamics of any, if we're suggesting that the dynamics of our writing come from the clash and the conflict between the protagonistic force and the antagonistic force. The details, the details here are wonderful. I love the details. And the details are very important for us as writers. So let me, let me, let me speak to that just for a second. It's like, (laughs) what we do as writers is that we understand that we're taking the reader on this emotional journey. But somehow our reader does not understand that. And they don't understand it because we make them focus on details. Right. We make them okay. focus on the micro issues of the moment
1: right. while we
0: manipulate them through this um, emotional experience, which mm. I sometimes call like, so if you, think of, if you think of the protagonistic force and the antagonistic force, I sometimes liken it to Aikido. If you've seen the keto master, and you might, uh, you know, the Aikido master, the person comes at them, the reader comes to them, and they go like this, they go, they take them mm. over here, right? And then they take them over here. And then they take him over here again. And then they, they subtly move their hand around the wrist, they take him, mm-hmm. and then they flip him on their back. Right. This is what we, this is what we know we're doing with the reader. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, so, so even, even though it's going to mean a big rewrite, mm-hmm. the antagonistic force here are these other boys. Mm. Right. This is, I mean, it's a, it's a wonder, it's a wonderful childhood story, and I think it's one that we can all identify with, right?
1: Right. Where right. He,
0: remember, I just said. Remember, I said one of the universal struggles is the way we know ourselves and the way we we feel right. like we have to represent ourselves to the outside mm-hmm. world. Right. This is it, right? He, yeah. he's like, he's afraid, right? Right. And 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 yet he doesn't want anyone to know that he's afraid. Mm, right. He, he doesn't want to True. reveal. That, he doesn't want to reveal, and, and if you want to take this up to, it isn't just a boy's struggle, of course. It's mm-hmm. a human struggle that we, mm. that we understand ourselves as people who can be hurt and have feelings, right. and yet we feel like we have to disguise that fact from others mm. who will see that as a weakness, even though they actually, we don't know this, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know that they're exactly the same as we are. Right. Right? That's the problem. They seem mm. like they're impervious to mm. pain, like my older brother, right? right. <laughs> he seemed impervious to pain, right. and yet I felt I, I was often in pain. That's right? Right. right.
1: Uh,
0: so, so you're mm. dealing, you're dealing with that universal struggle right. from the point of view of this boy. And, right. And, and so, now the thing is, we're gonna bring in our, we're gonna bring in our knowledge from playwriting, Mm-hmm. right? And we're going to bring in our knowledge from the actor who's wearing very um grotesque makeup from close up, but we mm-hmm. need to put that makeup on them. We need to make mm-hmm. the, these contrasts pronounced. Right. We'd probably, and I would say, and I would say, you know, this is, I understand how it's difficult and believe mm-hmm. me, I have to live with myself every day. You only see me once a week. So, <laughs> this is, this is yeah. horrible, I'm telling you. Uh, but I would be like, Immediately, I would say we got to get the antagonistic force physically on the page, and that's right. where the dynamic action is. Okay. Right. Um, where where it goes. So, and once you do that, now mm-hmm. you now you've actually developed the mechanism of story that will take this somewhere. You basically mm-hmm. use your alternating pattern to take us to some to to the crucible. Right. And and ideally, we create a story that's where these these are even enough, where there actually is peril. You don't know what the answer is. That is the peril. If you know the answer, there's no peril. You don't know yeah. what the answer. Okay. Is. Right. But you take, it, you take it to the crucible in order to have a discovery, and then right. that is actually what the reader will also take away. Mm. And 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 in some ways, I look at it like this. This is kind of cerebral, I guess but I Mm -hmm. look at the story that we write as really the artifact of our own discovery process. So if the reader gets to experience it, it's like they get to experience, you know, the, 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 the husk of the, of the insect, they get Mm -hmm. to have the husk of the insect, but we are the ones that live the life. We Mm. use this mechanism to get somewhere. So, yeah, in, in a simple way, I would say, you know, the, the simple way to go to this story is to, get the antagonistic force on the page. Okay. And now we see, and now we see what happens. Right. There's nothing there's nothing in a sense dynamic that will happen mm-hmm. if we only have the protagonistic force. Right. Because because this boy is not being met with any, you know, conflict. Right. So there's not conflict. Have, but it's an internal
4: him. conflict. There's only an internal conflict where he is like, you know, he has fear on one side and like, you know, he wants, like you said, camouflage the fear on the other side. So it's an internal conflict. It's not a, it's not a pronounced conflict with a separate antagonistic force.
0: Okay, Ram, Ram, you, congratulations. You, you, you win the prize of me. I'm going to act out an internal conflict. Are you ready?
1: Sure. Here we go. Uh huh.
4: Got it. I get that. Yeah.
1: Got it. Thank you.
4: <laughs> Got it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's good reasons why we use characters. Right. Yeah. Okay. Actually, uh,
5: may I uh, make a point? Sorry. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. One is your whatever gesture you made just now. No one. I I, I couldn't see because it stayed on uh, Ram. The video stayed on Ram.
0: So, oh, okay. Well, I, I will tell you that Ram and I were actually doing exactly the same thing. We were just uh, not doing anything at
5: yeah. all. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, Ram, if you Basically, don't mind. Go ahead. Oh,
0: no, 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 please.
5: So, Ram, if you don't mind, just a couple of things. Uh, more. Sure. I definitely agree with you. Uh, I Andrew, that this is a very uh, uh, charming piece. And despite the fact that the terminology is India-specific, it does talk to a, a larger audience. Uh, Absolutely. Your, I the point that yeah, the point that you made earlier. I, have one, the, I also thought that the antagonist was that perceived fear of being uh, uh, laughed at and mocked at by the older kids. Right. So, so in that sense, I was on the same page as Ram, uh, but I do see what you're hinting at. Um, how that would come about is obviously, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's Ram's choice. Uh, but I have a question for, for some of the markings that you've made here. And that's specifically about uh, the two adjectives, right? So shaking his head with sympathy or, so he had bravely swallowed the peers, right so um, can you can you just talk about that a little?
0: Yeah, I can. Um, okay, so that I would consider you know really a micro issue, so it's not okay. a big issue at all. It's micro okay. issue but okay. but it does it does it does have a lot well, let's say there's no micro issues maybe because it has a lot to do with how. What we do when we write something is we basically merge the consciousness that we present on the page with the consciousness of the reader Mm -hmm. and the things that i'm marking basically you know i I might call them having a bias i might say that it's editorializing or something like that what what it's doing is it's providing subjective information from somewhere and when it provides, when you provide subject, it's like the narrator, the narrator comes in and provides subjective interpretation of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So what that does is it doesn't allow me to interpret. So, you know, the way I experience life, right? I go walking around and I'm taking in information. I see a car speeding down. I'm like, well, stand out of the road. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think that's dangerous. Right. I see someone, you know, smile at me. I'm like, Oh, they're nice. So I'm having the I'm having an experience of interpreting the world around me all the time based on objective information. Okay. When when the author comes in and supplies the interpretation, then that robs me of the opportunity to interpret for myself. Hmm. Hmm. I like to interpret for myself. That feels like living life to me. Right? Understood.
1: So Great
5: point. So
0: it's it's a it's a little it's a little uh, it's a little thing that we don't now on the other hand I think it's I think it can be very good to have subject now everything that comes from um, this is maybe a little bit complicated but our characters have a point of view and a point of view is an interpretation of life right it's an interpretation of point of view because they see it that way. So I like it when characters express point of view, mm-hmm. but I don't like it. I I don't like it as a reader when the, when the narrator expresses point of view, mm-hmm. because now it's like I have a God who knows all, but is also limiting the experience, mm-hmm. my experience. And I don't want it to be like that. So that's a great that.
1: point. Artist.
0: Yeah. So, so our we want our narrators to be I think you know I I lean towards having the narrator be as objective as possible only write the facts. Now of course the narrator has a ton of control over the entire experience of the story because they're selecting all the facts. Yep. Um, great, so, thank you. And, yeah and what what's great is that actually to me it gets into sort of the psychology of the writer. When the writer wants to control the experience of the reader, then they add that subjective information. I'm going to tell you something about people, at least me. We don't like to be controlled, right? So absolutely, you, some of the you know. Um, and 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 if you read this, but what we have is like Viju um, um, declared with. I would actually Viju declared, uh, de- declared shaking his head. I would get the, yeah. the authority out of there. Declared already tells me it's with authority, right? Yeah. So declared, shaking his head. Now, yeah. as a writer, maybe we can't, we can't, uh, we, we haven't spun that, you know, and the reader might take, they might not know what to take out of it. But what they do know is that they're perceiving experience objectively. And yeah. that keeps in the story. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's one of the big issues for us as writers, basically having some control over our instincts, right? We have an instinct to want to be heard. We have an yep. instinct to want to be able to, you know, win the, win the fight before it's even begun. You know, right. we, we, we love to get out there and beat the crap out of straw men.
1: Undoubtedly.
0: <laughs> you know, we don't get yeah. to do it. We don't get to do it. This is mm. the, this is, and that's why it's really, really fun. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Thank you. For, thank you for that question. Um, oh, thanks. I, thanks. I, my, yeah. I have, I have my little rule. We'll see it somewhere else. I like, I have a hierarchy of language too, you know, so okay. nouns are great. Nouns. Oh, I love them. Verbs. Verbs I love. Adjectives. Eh, adverbs. Adverbs I used to joke. An adverb is a signpost that says weak verb ahead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a kind of uh, writing lethargy, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and you know, what? I, also, I also used to often say like, you know, like if you write, he ran quickly, right? right. So you actually you <laughs> ran quickly takes more time to read than ran. So, you're yeah. actually creating this cognitive dissonance in your reader where right. they're reading something that takes longer to express something that supposedly takes a shorter amount of time.
1: Right.
0: This is something I also think about with language. Yeah,
4: this is what some, um, some authors said, right? I think
0: it's
4: a great piece. Yeah. Oh, just, just a concluding note. Uh, I, some famous author said this. He, he said, uh, I am sorry I didn't have the time to write a shorter letter.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, I've done to write a shorter letter. Exactly. Um, and thanks for your feedback. Let's. Uh, is uh, is Deepa here? This
5: was good. Thank you very much. Is uh, I
2: love this.
0: Deepa? Oh, I don't know who's here. Okay, well we're 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 gonna have to conclude a little bit. Deepa's not here, but I would like to bring up this story a little bit. Um The monk who craved rose milk. So there, in fact I would say I, I wanna say with all of these there's a significant thing that's not happening with all of them. And the the thing that's not happening with all of them is the perception of story as being an emotional event that has an effect on a character, the protagonist. And therefore, through that also has an effect on the, on the reader. Now, we could argue that these pieces are short. And, and I, if, and if we only have, if we only have six pieces or something like that, if we get around, we can talk to, uh, Hari Kieran and, and see if we want to expand the length of some of the pieces, you know, as we, as we move along. So I understand the feeling like, well, you're not completing a story necessarily. So. So just put that argument aside and, and the defensiveness that we can feel, you know, when, when I start attacking. But but I want to bring up this idea that a story is about character, character or protagonist change. And I'm going to do it just in this one simple way. A character comes in some way, okay? We have to get that on the page. How are they now? They're feeling hopeful, they're feeling something. They have to have some state, either positively or negatively. And we've always talked about really drawing contrast, so we really have to know what that is. The story is an event, and the event is a conflict with the protagonist coming and meeting the force of protagonism. That is the event. Out of that event, and I, I know I did this the other week, this character must be different. What that means is, so I think for me, I can, I, I understand it better by saying when it doesn't happen, okay? So a character comes into a story, if we don't know how they are, then we also don't know how they leave, right? They might be happy here, and then they leave happy. If I don't know how they are here, or I don't know how they are here, I, I don't have any knowledge of whether they've changed or not due to the event. If a character comes in, they experience something and they are the same. My argument dramatically is that nothing has occurred. Does that make sense? Nothing has happened. I, my analogy is if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, it doesn't matter. Right? Because the fundamental thing that we're doing with our work is we're taking the reader on a journey, and a journey must go from one place to another place. We cannot go from one emotional state to the same emotional state. We have not made a journey. So the, the, the pieces I looked at this week, you know, were... Uh, you know, well-written and very atmospheric, partially because they didn't develop an actual conflict in which something happens. We also didn't get to the point of experiencing any change in the protagonist. So Uh, this is, again, yeah.
3: uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Now that I'm back and I seem to have a stable connection, uh, if you have time, would you mind going over, maybe spending a couple couple of minutes on the chase. I got your feedback. I wanted to see if you had anything to add to it.
0: Oh, okay. That's your, that's your work. Sure. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the monk. I'll talk about the monk and then let's look at the chase. Okay. Sure. Um, Great. Um, so I, I love this piece. Um, it has a very, um, very pronounced, uh, protagonist. Um, so in the shadow of the hill temple of my hometown runs a busy but narrow road called uh, China, <laughs> and, and, and more, meaning lane of small shops. Okay, so this author is handling the balance of using foreign language and also describing the meaning of that foreign language exceptionally well. I will say for myself, I love reading foreign language. I don't really try to read it. I don't even try to pronounce it, but I have the experience of it. It gives me an atmosphere. And this author does a great job of also defining what, what those words mean. So I found this piece both exceptionally accessible, but also essentially exotic in a way that I enjoy, because, because one of the things about the reader, I think all of us should put this as a baseline. We want to go into another world and that is created through the details. Like when it, I talk about knowing, knowing other human beings, One thing we know about our reader is they picked up our book because they did not want to have the experience of painting their fence, right? They did not want to do the dishes. They did not want to deal with their kids with their constant demands. They want to go somewhere else. So we need to take that responsibility seriously and make sure we produce that other world. And I feel that way here. So I really like that. Um the tone of this is great. Uh the name may have rung true once, but there's nothing small about these shops anymore anymore. Most shops have become monstrous by devouring their smaller neighbors. Yet a few intrepid shop owners doggedly held on to their domains and clientele. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful writing. Um, and I'm just going to go quickly. There's a lot obviously that I'm praising here in terms of the language and if you if you open up that that writers group in the, on the Facebook page. I hope maybe, you know, all, all of you as authors will share your work there and, and you can discuss it, you know, there too. Um, well, let's see. And there's, there's a monk, there's a monk here. And in this, in this piece, I'll just tell you that, um, the author has already told me that the intention is to write a series of pieces about craving, um, And in this piece, there's a monk who craves this rose milk that's sold in this little shop across the way and has been basically forced to sit on the other side of the street by their guru and look at the shop for like a year, you know? So I I just love everything about that. Uh, It's great. And then it gets to as great as it is, what effect did it have on the protagonist with whom... I have my sympathetic resonance. That remains an issue. So, like, I mean, I just want to make a point that, like, as this piece is just wonderful. And now I might say that, like, so in this piece, and if I were talking to the author, I would say, you know, it could be that this is really just establishing in some ways the protagonistic force. And as, as I read on, I will see how it involves the protagonist. Um, and I'll understand that protagonist. Um, better, and then I will be able to, through that protagonist, have an experience for myself. So that is yet to be seen. But that is, that is the conversation that I would have, because that's, for me, it's an absolutely necessary element of, of any story, that I have this experience of, of change, so that really I have something that I'm taking away. Okay, so since this author's not here, I'm going to go back to uh, The Chase. Yeah, um, so,
3: so the author Deepa actually pinged uh, on the chat, I think about half an hour back uh, also saying she had to drop off for some uh, work call.
0: Oh, well, that's too bad. But uh, please tell her, uh, really, a wonderful piece. Um, She's on the
3: Facebook group, so I'll definitely share this feedback uh, with her, Otis.
0: Great. I, really, really strong. I, I, love, I love that area. It feels It feels so real. I believe it, um, and, and this is, I think, uh, Ashvani, I said this about your work last week, right? The, when we write words, right? I, I'm talking about focusing the point of view and the narrator or the character or back and forth between the protagonist and antagonist, whatever. That's a focusing of point of view, but there is an overall thing created by all the words, right? A kind of honesty, a kind of forthrightness, Basically, the consciousness of the author. And when that consciousness welcomes you in, does not push you out, welcomes you in, as this piece does, as Ashvani's piece did uh, last week, that is a very, very strong uh, base from which to work, because that's the first most crucial thing. If we welcome the reader in and they're there in this world and happy, then it's just a question of us not <laughs> not blowing it right <laughs> now it's now it's up to us, you know the ball's in our court, as they say um, uh did you want to read uh would you like to read this uh the chase uh, uh,
3: um, <laughs> I don't know um, maybe I'll read a okay. couple of paragraphs and then.
0: Okay, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you read to? Um, why don't you read to? Wait, you read to the fourth floor. Let's see. I got a little spot there. Okay. Is this show, is this showing up on the share?
3: Yes, uh, it is for me. So I'm assuming it's showing yeah, up. Yeah, just just that.
0: yeah, that's very. okay. I, I've often done that if I, I I can mark a little place to read too. So I think we'll probably do that rather than read the entire pieces. Okay.
3: Sure. <clears throat> he he bounded up the first three flights. Uh, He bounded up the first flight three steps at a time, turned 180 degrees and then up the second flight three steps at a time. Both the man and Rhea had gone further up to the second floor. Damn, damn. He sprinted up to the second floor again three steps at a time. Not there. Effort. He soared under his breath. He turned to the stairs and climbed three steps at a time. She was there and he almost ran into her. She gave a jolt as she spun around at the sounds from the staircase. Oh, she said, what? Couldn't you hear me? Deva panted, catching his breath. I just couldn't let that damn thief go. Why did you slow down? Anyway, you were right behind me, she responded, still breathing hard. Ahead, till you raced ahead," Deva corrected her. When did you start thinking me to be some comic superhero with superhuman strengths? I didn't, Rhea answered, with a little less conviction now. I thought he's one and you are two. I mean, we are two. Yeah, ek se bhale do. Two are better than one, Deva nodded. His breath slowly returning to normal, the breathing still heavy, sweat running freely down his forehead, neck and back. He swiped his forehead with the back of his palm as he surveyed the floor. It was long, dark and empty. The structure was all that there was, with beams and columns and nothing else. Bare concrete floor and ceiling, no tiling, flooring or electrical wiring. No one else on the floor as far and as best as he could see in the dark. What little light there was came from a corner on the left. You think he went there? They were asked, not waiting for an answer, staring at the light, moving slowly forward like a moth to a flame. The thought flashed through his mind. While he was still irritated that Rhea had rushed headlong into an unknown situation, he now wanted to make the most of it. Why did you stop here on the third floor? He asked, inching forward. I saw him reach the third floor and dart left. By the time I got here, he had disappeared in the dark. I'm I'm sure he went in there, she pointed. I waited for you so that you didn't rush onto the fourth floor. Thank you. That was very considerate of you, Deva uttered.
0: Nice. Right. And uh, and I noticed that I actually marked this, this next moment here. It's coming up. Uh, do you want to see what's in there or do you want to turn back? She asked with some testiness. <laughs> so I... I probably, you know, like, like i mentioned before, I'd probably cut the testiness, you know, either, either you've captured it in the dialogue or you haven't, it's just a tiny thing though. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you stay here, I will see what's there in the light. Um, if he's run out of some exit at the back and he's gone as is your bag, perhaps he's hiding in which case I can uncover your bag in short order, walk in the park or not. He thought for the second time, I really like that little addition there. And that, Goes back, we we're talking about it with Rom and, and, you know, the, the universal issue of having a sense of interiority and exteriority, right? So it's like, we can recover your bag. That's what he says to the exterior and to this woman, but, or not, which is his interior, which is like suggesting a whole bunch of things. This is more dangerous than it might seem. You never know what's going to happen. You know, uh, an expression I like, the future by definition is unknown. You know, it's like um, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, when we round the corner and, you know, meet our fate. We don't know our fate. That's the definition of our fate, you know. Um, So I really like that that that's just a little moment of juxtaposition of the exteriority and the interiority that really does something great for the reader. That's the, that's the takeaway. Using those elements of exteriority and interiority are huge and also creates something that we, I'm not sure that I'm very fond of this phrase, but it basically creates dramatic irony. It means that we have an understanding of the character's interiority and it's in conflict with what they say outwardly. So that means we're in on a secret, dramatic irony. That's great. Um, so, uh, this is, uh, uh, Abhinav, am I saying that close Uh, about, so the first thing, so this is, you, 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 you walk in, I love how physical this is, and this is where I, I love writing physicality, and, and I think a lot about it. The physical, for me, all of us as writers, we can often become very cerebral, We can often think that writing is about us thinking and about us typing, but we're actually trying to always write about people because remember, people care about other people. Our reader cares about a person. This is how we develop a connection. So I've been on that for a while and I really try to write people on the page, physical people doing things. And I really like that that's happening here. But then you have some some issues perhaps because everybody knows what it's like to be a physical human being. And so like the first thing I thought here was like, does this author know how hard it is to sprint up a flight of stairs three at a time? I mean, I was like, so so I did this. I was writing I was writing a, a story about, about a soldier who had to carry a, a a rifle, and the rifle weighed twenty, almost twenty pounds. So, well, maybe a little bit less, seventeen. So I got a pipe and I cut it. That weighed that much and I went hiking around to see what it would feel like. I love stuff like that, you know, and if you love writing the physical, then you'll love stuff like that, but I'm going to, I'll send you out as like the, um, as your assignment to go sprint up some flights of stairs, three, at three at a time. Uh, that.
3: I walked right into that, didn't I? <laughs> no, I love
0: that. I love that you're going for it. It's great that you're going for it. Um, there's a, there's a moment later, but this is, this is also a kind of genre piece, right? Where, I mean, we don't know that at first, but he has a Glock on his ankle a little bit later. So, so he, he's a police officer or something. He has a, he's a person that carries a gun. Um, which would also play a role if he's sprinting up those steps, I will, I will mention. Um, but, uh, but early on here, there's a little talk about, you know, I'm not, I'm not a comic book hero this is, goes back to this thing is like he does seem a little bit of a comic book hero because of, because of the physicality. you have mm. to remember that the, the relationship are it's really funny because like this is very cinematic and we would see something like this in the movies. But it's strangely different when we write about it I think, if we want to write something that's actually realistic. Because mm-hmm. the movies, what the movies have is they have some character who's bounding up some steps, right? And then they cut, right? And then that, that character is over in the corner in traction and taking oxygen. <gasps> and then they shoot again, right? <laughs> so so they're doing it that way and they're excluding the parts where they're, you know, <laughs> headache. struggling for breath. And what we see is we see a physical human being and we're like, well, we're convinced basically because we witnessed them.
3: Right, right.
0: Writing, writing merges our consciousness, and and I might and granted I'm a particular person because I'm I'm I try to be a very physical person. I think about physicality a lot. Um, it's it's important to me. So I'm always sort of you know, and also I have my little masculine uh, competition. I'm like, you can run up those steps three at a time. Could I? And I'm like, I'm pretty in so, shape. I think yeah. I'm gonna.
1: Yeah. So when,
3: yeah. when, when, when I was <clears throat> younger, I could, you know, sprint two steps at a time, a, a couple of flights. So I assumed this guy must be stronger and fitter than me. So maybe he can do three. So that was a little bit of a leap of faith, if you may call it.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm totally with you. You know, I, 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 God, I, I wish I could run around like I could when I was a kid. Um, I really can't. I found out yesterday. Um, <laughs> I, I say get into it, but, but, but get into it in a real way. I mean, you know, he might be feel like, if I do something like this, I would feel the burning in my, in my muscles. There's physical realities that, that exist. And if we deal with those physical realities, then we also uh, create a real world that the reader comes into better. That's really the point I'm making. It's really about that reader association. We sometimes right. even have to think about like, even though you think that this guy is very capable what you really need to think about is how do you make the reader believe them, believe mm. in this character. Right. So for that, we have to maybe do other things. This is just a, a silly example. I'm not meaning to give it so much attention, but really to to go to no, the larger concept.
3: No, I think I think that that's useful, uh, very useful to 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 I think a way these kinds of descriptions with their actual feasibility also. You know, a little bit of, I think, uh, exaggeration is probably, I think, okay. But uh, uh, if it, uh, what's that phrase? If the reader cannot experience uh, a a, a willing suspension of disbelief, I think then things start to fall apart.
0: Right, exactly. So the, the willing suspension of disbelief is like, that is, that's the Holy Grail. The reader is giving that to us You know it's a beginning and they're willing to go anywhere they'll go they'll go to mars they'll go to this building they'll go to the um the the milk the rose milk shop they'll go to all of these places willingly and they want to and it's exactly that when we when we if like just like i said once we have them then it's just us not losing them right that's the main thing so we want to be very careful not to lose them um and uh and then, then also in this regard, um I don't there's given what they're doing, so I am a person who's chased down people before. <laughs> I hate to say I in my younger years, you know. But it's scary. Okay. I, I once I I won't tell you the whole story, but, you know, you run and now you realize you're someplace you don't know. And you're in the place that they ran to. So why did they run there? And why did you run into it? Well, we get to the ambush a little bit later. But I think that particularly this character is. is we're all savvy in this way because we're all, again, we're the human animal. We're the human animal and we're built to survive. So we know when we're in a comfortable place and when we're not, even, even like simple little jellyfish do, you know, they move around. So I think that that awareness would be a little bit more on this guy's mind. He, he might have, is, was it in this? Who, someone, someone had written uh, in their work this, this week. What was it? There, there's, there's no job that overconfidence won't screw up. I'm not quoting it directly. Is it in this piece?
3: Yeah, uh, the third last paragraph, that one line. Yeah, great,
0: great line, great line. But we might understand that about this character for later on, right? Because it seems like he has training, so it actually might make him a little bit foolhardy. I don't know who the woman is, and so I have some questions, you know, like. Correct. I, and, and believe me, you know sometimes other people take you into trouble so that might be the case here or maybe she's a fellow police officer i really don't know and maybe so i don't know right relationship. right so all these things are are the issue i have the little comment here we uh, beware of cliche so this is it's something i i, I tell my kids too like you know that, that first you know my, i feel bad actually but you know, I was like, look at those clouds over there. You know, I draw my attention to the kids, you know, looking at these incredible formations that we have because of all the smoke and the colors. And, uh, you know, my daughter's like, they look like cotton candy. And I just went, oh, no, don't. You know, I'm sure she's traumatized. She's going to have to go to therapy. But we we don't <laughs> want to use cliche. Really, we can, get pretty, we can get pretty far in our writing by actually never having cliched uh, language or cliched sentiment at all. The problem with it is that instantaneously you know i mean i said the other day like a stitch in time as soon as i hear the first words i shut out because it's not new so we want to really keep newness and freshness even if we have to find okay if this is really what we is this really what we want to say then we have to find a way to say it differently or maybe we want to say something uh newer you know we want to We want to get to a a deeper perception, but we have to get to, we still, again, we have this reader, we can, cliche and even stereotype don't come from nowhere. They, they, They exist because they're understandable. We have to deal with the common perception of our audience. And this actually goes back to the climbing the stairs. They have a certain perception of physical reality. They have a certain perception of emotional reality. And we work with it, but we also want to draw them into new ground. Does that make sense? That was convoluted as hell. But...
1: No, no, no.
3: Uh, certainly. Certainly, yeah.
0: Right. So what I'm saying is we work with them. We, we, can't, we can't give them, we, we don't give our reader new emotions that no one on earth has ever seen. We don't give them you know, physical capabilities no one can even conceive of. We have to take them slowly. You know, even Superman would have to explain why he can fly. Um, yeah. So, um, and then, and then the next, the the next thing is going back to, remember, I, I, I did say like, so the big, the big macro issue is having characters change. And so this piece, like I said, with all the pieces, I didn't have a sense of knowing the character ahead. And again, I go back to wearing the makeup. They have to be really, we have to really know how they start. Then something happens and they come out differently. And that way I have the journey. Okay. This seems like it's an excerpt. So I understand that, but, but I think conceptually, we still want to keep it really on our mind. We want to get right. the protagonist on the page. What are they? They're happy. They're hopeful. They're scared. You know, it's really, it's I, I said scared, but I don't really want to have scared. It's really hopeful that they're going to get what they want. Or despairing that they won't get what they want; those really. are really the two poles for our protagonist. And Definitely. then on the other side, if they were in despair, now they're hopeful. Contrast: if they were hopeful, frame. Right.
3: Right?
0: right, right. That's great. Um, yeah. So, um, but I, I'm a sucker for action. You probably know Elmore El, Elmore Leonard. His oh, yeah. advice they said, how, you know, how do you write so well? And he says, well, I just cut out the boring stuff.
3: <laughs> yes. I remember that.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let me ask, are there any questions about anything? I, I will, I, I love these conversations. Thank you for, for submitting this work. Like I say, it's uh it, it, it's hard, I, um, for a while, I, i boxed, in you know, American-style boxing, and, um, and I, I sometimes like, and, you know, I have about a couple things to say, and I will say them over and over again, but it's like my coach would be like, keep your chin down, keep your chin down, and uh, I think for us writers, the, the reason that was important for him to say that all the time is our instinct is, well, we're in a conflict, we get big, we do these various things, we try to become a bully, you know, we try to, Control the situation, you know, easily. Writers also have these instincts that we go to just because of the way we are, because we're human beings. We human, we as writers and human beings, we actually don't like conflict that much. We don't even like to identify conflict. We like to avoid it. But as writers, we have to embrace it. And we have to embrace it. We, like going back, Ram, I was saying to you, we actually have to take the risk right? When I, a thesis argument is a great one. Arguing a point that everyone already believes is not taking any risk. Yeah. Right? Um, putting, and, and the same with having just a protagonist on the page without the antagonistic force is no risk. Right. So we, we will tend to avoid doing that. It is hard work to do. Um, yeah. It's hard work to get the reality of the character on the page the reality of the human being on the page, but this is our, this is our big, this is our big work, this is, um, I, you know, think what you will about humankind, you know, um, but, but I, I do say in my teaching, and I really believe it, you know, people are miracles, we're just incredible, we're incredible, all our foibles, and difficulties, and, and uh, the way we puff up, and the way we, you know, all of the things that we do. So just keep going to that, you know, get people on the page in, in these actions and try to stick with it. Try not okay. to, rezo- we don't, we're not in the business of resolving issues. We're in the business of, you know, making these tensions that the reader then feels. So, okay. um, all right. I, anything else? Last word, Anyone?
3: So I can conclude by saying, you know, Otis, thank you again for a wonderful and, and very illuminating and, and practical advice-filled session. And uh, for others, uh, you know, we were talking about it uh, at the beginning of the session before I think probably a lot of you joined, but uh, there's a Facebook group and uh, join that. It's facebook.com slash group slash club, all one word. And please do Post your your writing sample there, uh, you know, and and we can carry on the conversation there because the intent is not to have this as a standalone uh, piece. It is to help each other, you know, critique, encourage, and provide feedback. So please do join the Facebook group.
0: Yeah, great, and and of course you're welcome um, to. Um... You know post obviously the my markups and all of that that's if you if you want to post that and um, and if you if you do get involved with talking with each other, I think the most important thing to to always remember and I have a lot of experience in workshops is that um, we can sometimes have a tendency to think that we're an instructor <laughs> um, and uh and and I think uh, what's better is to realize that actually every one of us is engaged in the struggle. If you're not struggling to write, you're not writing, I don't think. So we're all in the same boat. Um, and and the, the best, uh, I think the best thing that we can do for each other as writers in a workshop is to respond, to, to give our, our reactions to things, even our emotional reactions and not deal with trying to fix another person's work. I don't think, we're, I don't think any of us should be called on to. Th- th- we're not fixing anyone else's work because no other person's work is broken. It's in, it's in a process. So it's not a question of it being fixed. And no writer right, wants to be fixed. And, and we don't need to be. You know? But instead, if we, if we give our reactions to work and say, you know, I was really engaged. Because that's what we're talking about all the time. I was engaged. You know, I was I was in this. I was imagining this. I was there. I was feeling something. We want to get used to reading like that too. Or we might say I was confused. Confusion is not good. So that means the writer can deal with how to fix that confusion. You know, leave it to them. Um, or I was bored. Those are remember the two poles: boredom and confusion. We don't want those. You know, even if a person says, I was reading along and I loved it, but then I started thinking about doing my laundry. Well, then that's the writer's problem. So they have to figure that out. Um, turning that page, that's what it's all about. We have to get them, once, we can't control whether they opened a book or not. But once they do, we have to make them turn that page. So... Well, thanks all i really enjoyed
3: it uh enjoyed our conversation thank you thank you otis thank you everyone A good session thank you for joining bye thank
0: you thank you, thank you see I've you next time See you next
3: well. Wednesday send your samples thank you